This is Shannon Ray Davis, and you are listening to Omega Man Radio. Welcome to my world, the world of the Omega Man. Join us here for the nightly marathon, broadcasting Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern. You can find us here on YouTube, and we encourage you to report for duty. Get trained up. War on the Saints is coming. You want to be an overcomer and endure till the end. We will teach you how. We cast out devils. We command healing to the sick in Jesus' name. And we preach the full gospel of Jesus Christ to win souls for Jesus. I want to encourage you right now to subscribe right here on YouTube to this channel. Smash the like button and share a link to our live chat room to everyone you know right there on Facebook. Get them to come on out and tune in and join in the fight against the host of hell. If you'd like to support this work financially, we have a PayPal button on our website. We have GoFundMe, Zelly, even Take Bitcoin. And we thank you in advance for partnering with us. Our website is OmegaManRadio.com. One more thing before we start tonight's show. To the demons, tune again. We're coming for you, demon. No demon is safe. Right, we're ready to roll. Everybody, welcome aboard. It's an honor to be here with evangelist missionary Hank Groover from Joyful Sound Ministries. Brother Hank, welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. I think it's a little over two months now since I was with you last time. Brother, we're excited to hear your report tonight. Be back with you. Always an honor to have Hank Groover here. My friend, do you want to open us in prayer? Yes, amen. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful time we're going to spend together in your presence where two or three are gathered. You are in the midst of them. So, Lord, we just invite you into our homes, into our office, wherever we're at, into our cars, Lord, listening. And uh, we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to just be with us. We, we love your presence. We want more of your presence. So, Lord, we just ask that you'll anoint the words that are spoken tonight, and they will just be um, encouraging and, and be able to build people up and lift them up and, and strengthen them for the, the battles that we're going to face or that you're going to send us into. Lord, that they'll strengthen us and prepare us for the work you have for us. We thank you, we praise you, and we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Brother Hank, welcome, and the mic is yours. Praise God. I was just listening a little bit what you were saying before about um, getting in shape and losing weight, shaving your head, and it just <laughs> brings me right back to what my dad always said, you know, first the natural, then the spiritual. So it's uh, 1 Corinthians 15.46. Um God does things in the natural realm first, and then he does it in the spiritual. And there's nothing greater than that discipline of, of fasting or, or changing your eating habits or, or, of course, getting in the Word. Oh, there's, there's nothing greater than starting to get into God's Word. And, and, and just a little bit, just a little bit of time each day, ten, five, ten minutes, that's, 
that's all it takes to get started. And what God will do is just he'll multiply it. He'll, he'll open his word to you, your spirit. The more you read it, the, the better understanding he'll give you. It's just an amazing, amazing um, gift from him, honestly. It's, it's true. His word is, there's nothing in this world like his word, right? It's just, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. You know, it, it divides the bone and the marrow. It's, the word of God is awesome, and we have to have it. We have to have it in our spirits. We have to have it in our lives. If we don't have it, we are going to fall constantly, and it's going to be harder to get back up. So, yeah, brother, first the natural, then the spiritual. God's going to do some awesome things um, in your life. And, uh, you know, we've talked about prayer and fasting, and I, 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 I didn't hear if you were starting to fast. Was that? That I'm going to be uh, implementing, too. Absolutely. Now, I know people do just intermittent fasting for the purpose of losing weight, but no, the fasting we're talking about, if you're just joining us, is fasting consecrating a fast unto God and uh, I think we all need to be fasting you know the early church I think did it twice a week so that's on the uh, list of things to do definitely yes absolutely and and the more you condition yourself oh the easier it gets and it's just awesome what God does he, he just wow when he calls you to a fast it, it's just amazing what what he will give you when you're fasting it's just you don't fast to get from God, but you fast to give to God, I guess. <laughs> and but man, does He ever give in return? It's 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 wonderful, wonderful to to condition your body. But it's not easy. So if you start out in the, you know, fasting a meal here or there, or, or trying to, you know, hey, I'm going to fast, you know, sun up to sundown. I mean, think about all the the Muslims and Muslims or whatever in the world. I mean, they fast. I would, I'm, I'm sure monthly, and they do it out of sheer, I don't know, fear or, you know, diligence to their God. Well, yeah, Christians, story. I, I'd be surprised, you know, what the percentage of Christians actually fast. Here in Indonesia, you've got the largest uh, population of Muslims in the world. And um, yeah. we have had in the past, and presently have, an employee who helps us here in the house, uh, who are Muslim. And mm. when it comes to Ramadan, 30 days out of the year, yeah. they eat in the morning, and then after breakfast, they don't have any water, any food all day, and then they break their fast at night. They'll do this for 30 wow. days. And I've seen ladies, and I offer them something to drink mm. and food, and no, they said, no, we're, it's Ramadan, we can't. They won't even drink wow. or eat. And additionally, they pray... Uh, devout Muslims pray five times a day. Uh, some five times a day. People don't even pray except you know, lay me down to sleep. And fasting, yeah. you know, what's fasting? So there are people that are not lukewarm. They believe and they do, and they put many in the Western Church to shame. If you're just joining us, yes. we're live with Hank Groover, and I know uh, before you get started. Um, your first and second trip that you talked about on this show to Guatemala, God had you fast before you went in because you were going into enemy territory and going up against principalities and powers, and you would not have been able to make it and accomplish the mission without fasting. Where we left off, Brother Hank, is I think two months ago, 
you are preparing soon to go on your third trip. Do you want to pick up there? Yeah, praise God. It, it was actually my second trip um, to Guatemala. So the first one uh, was in January 19th through the 30th of this year. And yeah, God called me to um, a fast before that trip. He woke me up and and um, in the middle of the night, and the word was, if you don't go, you won't grow. And wow, that word was so powerful. Just It was just ringing in my ears when I was, I think I was third day into the fast, and uh, just ringing my ears, three in the morning. I woke up, and and I started researching that word, and, and just looking at all the people God called to go, and it was, oh, so beautiful. And that, that word just, I mean, it has shaped my life and changed it completely. Now, the second trip um, was June um, 22nd through the 29th, so seven days, and um, God woke me up June 1st, and he's in the verse was just on my mind. I couldn't get it off my mind. This type only comes out by prayer and fasting. <laughs> and I right away started the fast that day. And um, that was June 1st of this year. I knew I had to, to fast and pray before that trip. And I hadn't even booked the tickets yet. I knew I was going to be going soon, but I hadn't booked the tickets yet. So I, I completed a um, it might have been a it was seven or eight days fast, June 1st. And um, I started keeping a fasting log because it's really awesome what God does. So I fasted eight days. Um, and usually when I fast, I'm woke up in the middle of the night. And the word is so, just so strong. Your, your mind's so clear when you get past two, three days of no food. And, and I'm not strong enough in my faith to um, only you know, not do any water or anything like that. Um, I'll drink occasional juice. Um, I've even had pop during a fast, but, um, I, I limit, there's no food and it's just, you know, water for the majority. And then occasionally I'll, I'll drink, um, something with caffeine to get rid of the headache in the first few days. But I, I've learned not to drink orange juice. <laughs> That's real acidically acidic. And then milk also. Oh, boy. That'll just – it tears up my stomach. Not a good idea. <laughs> so there is a, a reason to only fast with water. Um, when you try and drink juices and things like that, it's just – it will really mess up your stomach and you'll be running to the bathroom and um, you have no food to, to dispose of. But anyway. Um, so, yeah, it woke me up. This type only comes out by prayer and fasting. And um, so I began that fast, and I assumed that it was for that that warlock that I had shared with you um, who had um, – Pastor Juan had that interaction with him. And the demons began to say, why did you and that blankety-blank gringo go up to El Captain and destroy our works? So I thought the fasting was for for that man. His name is Miguel, by the way. And I assumed that we were going to pray deliverance over him, and um, I, I, I knew he was packed full of demons. <laughs> so I began that fast, and, and after that trip, oh, I'll share, share about it more in, in detail here, but it wasn't for him. It was for other people there. It, just amazing what God did in that man's life. So um, I want to kind of pick up right there. So I, I fasted and prayed, and and um, I didn't realize this, but 
I also found out that I started my fast June 1st, and the church in Guatemala, they started their fast, um, I think it was around June 4th or 5th. And then they fasted for five days. And did I share about that last time? Uh, no, sir. We, um, okay, so. We, we go fasted ahead. our trip just uh, prior to this um, that you're going to explain about. Um, okay. Go ahead. So this was amazing. So I was, I was doing my fast, and, and for me to go out of town, I have to just get the, the business ready. So I am working crazy hours. I'm working till 8, 9 o'clock at night. During the day, I was doing installation. Um, our, our, our business is windows and doors and siding. It's an um, exterior remodeling company. So um, we've owned that for 11 years now or longer. And then the call to ministry has been so strong over the last, it'll be two years in October, that now I'm trying to do both. So when God called me to that fast June 1st, I'm, I'm fasting and, and I'm going out on installs during the day. And it was like brutal 100-degree temperatures. So I'm... I'm fasting and, and I'm just drinking fluids, but I'm working outdoors. Then I'm coming to the office and I'm, you know, doing paperwork and everything to get ready to go to Guatemala. And I am just, you know, complaining in my spirit, Lord, I can't do this. It's, it's too hot outside. I'm, you know, just basically whining and complaining. <laughs> and um, so, but God's given me the grace to continue it on. And, and it wasn't to the point where it was more the enemy coming in and, and, trying to um, puff me up with pride. It was really interesting because he would come in and be like, you know, just plant these little seeds like, oh, wow, look at you. No, you're fasting, you're praying, you're working outdoors, it's 100 degrees. And it was just, it was really weird, prideful battle. And so I would, in the midst of these battles, you know, I'd just be, you know, that anyone would plant those seeds and I'd start thinking about the church and, and people that I know. And, and I'm like, man, they don't, they don't ever fast. And then people all around you are always, of course, offering you food when you're fasting or, um, you know, they want to go out to eat or they're bringing s- snacks into the office. I kid you not, every single time I fast, my, um, my sister runs the office for me, my sister Ellen. And I don't, you know, declare or make proclamations when I'm going to fast. I'm like, hey, hear ye, hear ye, I'm going to fast. So nobody talk to me about food or bring any food in. <laughs> you know, I don't tell anybody. My wife doesn't even know. Um, the One of the last ones, she didn't find out until day five. It was <laughs> kind of humorous. <laughs> so, um, so, of course, I start this fast, and what does my sister do? She brings in all these brownies and all these treats that she's made, and she's offering to me. I'm like, oh, I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> and um, so... That always happens. It's going to happen. Anytime you fast, the temptations are always going to be around you. And <laughs> the food temptation is just so great when you've, you know, went without food for even a day or, you know, day and a half. So um, I'm, I'm going through that battle. And it's just, God spoke these words to me throughout, and it was really precious. Um I was kind of going back and forth, and and I don't know. It was, it was kind of a a spiritual battle, and I'm crying out to God, saying, "I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy." And at the same time, it was almost like pride was coming out. That you know, I'm not worthy, God. I'm you know, it, it felt a little prideful. But as I'm crying out to Him, the Holy Spirit spoke these words, and it was just amazing. 
he asked me this question, are you willing? And right away, absolutely, Lord, I'm willing. I am absolutely willing. And he said, I don't call the, um, oh my goodness, hold on. I, I wrote it down and now I'm losing my train of thought, but it was just beautiful. It was basically, um, hold on. Sorry. You take your time. If you're just joining us, we're thank live you, with thank you. Hank Groover from Joyful Sound Ministries. Yes, hallelujah. And so I, I'm just talking with God. I, I'm not worthy, but I, but I am willing. And, and the Holy Spirit's just saying, you know, no one's worthy. Only the Son of God, only Jesus, the pure spotless Lamb. He was the only one that's worthy. You're not worthy, but if you're willing, I'll use you. And I'm, I'm willing, Lord, I'm willing. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm reading Isaiah, and um, it, it's who, um, let me find the verse here, Isaiah, or it might be Ezekiel. Um, who shall we send, right? Who shall we send? It's not, um, when God was saying that, he, he didn't say, I'm going to send you. But he says, who, oh, sorry, Isaiah 6, 8. And he says, who shall we, who shall we send? Who shall I send? Who will go for us? So Isaiah has this amazing account with God, right? He's in the throne room of of God. And the coal has been touched to his lips. (laughs) And the, God asks, who shall we send? Who will go for us? Why, why didn't he say, Isaiah, I'm commissioning you. Obviously, you're commissioned. You're going to go for us. I'm going to send you. He didn't use those words, did he? He said, who shall go for us? Who shall we send? And, and Isaiah's words, immediately, here am I. Send me. <laughs> Whoa. And the Holy Spirit was just saying, we're not going to force anybody to go. But if you're willing... We'll send you. We'll equip you. We'll take care of it all. And it was just a beautiful word that Holy Spirit was speaking to me when I, during that fast. It was just, it's one of those words that just shape your life. God opens up his word and it just, it just comes alive. The, the verse, many are called, few are chosen. I never understood that. I never understood that until the Holy Spirit spoke these words, those words to me. Are you willing? And everybody's called, right? Everybody. Every Christian has a calling. And I think the chosen are the ones that choose to go. <laughs> you know, they're not, I always thought it was, I'm God choosing these people, you know. He chose his 12 disciples, but all of us are commissioned. All of us are, are you know, chosen, but many are, are, are called. The few are chosen. And, and I believe it's the, the few that answer that call, that, that call to go. Because it's not easy. It's not easy picking up and going and, and maybe leaving your family behind and um, the sacrifice and everything. But, oh, it's so worth it. It's so worth it. So I, I'm fasting and praying, and, and I'm having that little battle, and the enemy's coming in and planting those seeds of, of pride and everything. And I finally, I hadn't talked to Pat. Pastor Juan in some time. I hadn't been able to get a hold of him. And 
I finally get a hold of him, and it turns out him and 10 members from the church, men, women, and children, had gone to a mountain to fast and pray. And this mountain is popular in Guatemala amongst Christians, but it's also popular amongst um, heathens and unbelievers, because there's um, a, a healing or something happened on this mountain years ago. So Christians go there, but also people in Satanism go there, in witchcraft. And um, so 10 members of the church went to this mountain, and they were fasting and praying. So I started mine June 1st, and they started, I think they started around the 5th of June. And so our fasts are just overlapping with each other. And I found out the way they fast in Guatemala, they go to these, this mountain, and they sleep under the stars. They have a tarp that they put over them. They sleep on the, um, the cold ground, the, the dirt. They have one cup of water at the end of the day. That's it. <laughs> and like I said earlier, I'm whining, complaining about you know fasting and, and working outdoors, but coming into my air-conditioned office, sleeping in my comfortable bed. <laughs> and men, women, and children are on this mountain fasting and praying with one cup of water. But the, the miracle that happened to each and every single person that fasted and prayed was just awesome, truly awesome. I mean, they were set free from crazy afflictions, from crazy um, demonic influences, and just absolutely amazing. So the verse this type comes out only by prayer and fasting. Um, I'm slowly coming to the understanding, I believe, that is a lot of personal deliverance also. So when, when we become a Christian and we have all this junk that we bring into Christianity that we haven't gotten rid of, there's some of it that, that doesn't leave us unless we start to pray and fast. And that's exactly what the Guatemala church uh, received when they, when they go up on this mountain, they fast and pray. So they did it for five days and um, when they were up there on that mountain, they got, they got done, and, and I've shared this before, that twice a month now they have a five-hour service on Saturdays. So that five-hour service starts at um, 7 o'clock at night, and it goes till midnight. Well, when they got done fasting and praying, McGill had reached out to Pastor Juan. And I think I shared this last time, but regardless, um, Miguel, the, the warlock, that um, Pastor Juan had went and prayed over, and the demons had said, why did you and that blankety-blank gringo go up to El Captain and destroy our works? So that man calls Pastor Juan when they're coming back from the, the prayer mountain, because they came back on a Friday. So they started fasting on a Monday, came back on a Friday, and then Saturday they had their five-hour service. Miguel calls Pastor Juan or gets a hold of him somehow, and he tells him he wants to come to the, the five-hour service on Saturday. Well, Pastor Juan was very skeptical. Still, this guy has just come out of witchcraft. We don't know much about him. We don't know how much deliverance he still needs. So he's very skeptical, and he tells him, look, if you try anything, I'm going to kick you off the side of the mountain myself. <laughs> and so they come to an agreement, and the, the five-hour service starts, and Miguel is there. So they go five hours long, and then at the end of that, Pastor Juan tells Miguel to come up, and he's going to pray for him. And he tells the church members to stay back because they're just—they don't 
they don't know what type of power this guy possesses still. They don't know what his motives are. They're just very, you know, skeptical still at this point. So he tells them to come up, and this was May. Um, hold on a minute. Late May. It was two weeks before I was there, so it was like May 20th or May, whatever, Saturday in May, third Saturday in May. And so he tells them to come up. This was at midnight. Miguel had been there for five hours. He tells them to come up. He's going to pray for him. Miguel says, no, I'm not coming up. So Pastor Juan says, in the name of Jesus, come up here. <laughs> so he comes up now in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Miguel, or, um, Pastor Juan tells him to, to kneel down before God. Shaking his head, no, I'm not kneeling down. So, Pastor Juan, in the name of Jesus, kneel down. <laughs> so he kneels down, and Pastor Juan starts praying for him, and all of a sudden, this guy is out in the spirit. He is out on the concrete floor, down. <laughs> and um, he sent me pictures of Miguel out in the spirit on the floor, and there's anointing oil all over this guy. I mean, it's like they dumped it on him. <laughs> it's just everywhere. And the congregation is is staying back like five plus feet from this guy because, once again, they just don't know. They all know he, he was very powerful in the occult, and they're staying staying away from him. Pastor Juan's praying for him and, and just rebuking those spirits. So that was two weeks before I arrived. So it might have been um, last weekend in in May, not the third weekend, but regardless. So that happens. And that's right after they come off the, the mountain fasting and praying for five days. Miguel has, did not see, I'm sorry, Pastor Juan did not see Miguel um, from that time until I arrived. And so I arrived, um, I think it was June 19th or something along those lines. So I, I arrive in country. Once again, I fasted and prayed. And I thought that verse, this type only comes up by prayer and fasting, it was for Miguel, the warlock from El Captain. So I get to Guatemala, and we, praise God, we, I flew in there with Hector. Hector lives in America. He, he works for us, him and Caesar, their brothers here in America, and they, they work for my contracting company. Their, their brother is Pastor Juan. So we rented a car, and we flew in together with Hector and his wife, Minga. And we flew into Guatemala City and rented a car, and we made the um, almost 10-hour drive from Guatemala City to the, the village. And we only had a week there. so And of that week, three days were going to be for travel. So we knew this trip would be very short, and you know we, we've got to hit the ground running. So we, we arrived, um, it was, I think, around two o'clock in the afternoon. And by the time we got our luggage, we got the rental car, we weren't leaving Guatemala city until I think it was five o'clock in the evening. And we start going and driving and my stomach starts turning and I'm trying to sleep. And the car is just weaving in and out, missing potholes. Um, at midnight I wake up and I can't contain it anymore. And I tell him to pull over and I am just throwing up horribly. And I am a power puker. It is not a pretty sight. <laughs> and so we we get and it the the puking hit me really close to El Captain. <laughs> um so you have to drive through this big mountain pass and you pass um you go right past El Captain. 
And the puking started like, I don't know, an hour before we got to El Captain. And then right at the edge of El Captain, I'm throwing up more and more. So in like, we didn't arrive into the village until three in the morning. And I made him stop and I threw up. I forget how many times, but it was just horrible. I was so drained. I mean, just drained. And I knew this trip would be short and we had so much to do. And the enemy was just attacking me. So that next day I wake up and I'm just weak as can be. And um, the, the battle had started already. But without prayer and fasting, it, it would have... It would have been unbearable. I would not have survived. I probably would have been bed, you know, in bed the whole week while being there. I know it was an attack of the enemy. I know he's trying to keep me from what God had for us. So praise God for for the you know telling me you, you need to fast and pray. This is you know this is the time frame. This is what you need to do. And and when you when you're obedient, God will do the rest. Through your obedience, he will take care of everything else. It's, it's, it's an awesome spiritual law. It's first the natural, then the spiritual. You're obedient in the natural. Oh, it's amazing what he'll do in the spiritual. Absolutely amazing. So um, I'm going to share a, a lot about Miguel because it's just truly, truly amazing what God has done in that man's life. But before I get to that, I want to share about another awesome testimony we experienced while in Guatemala. So um, the first time coming back from Guatemala, just talking with Pastor Juan, what needs do you have here? You know, what what can we do for you? I shared about the chicken farm. That's um, He's got that almost completed, not quite yet. Um, it's, it's awesome. Exci- I'm so excited when that gets completed because – like I shared before, it's just a reoccurring income. It's it's going to be really cool to see that up and running. But um, when I when I left in January of this year, talking with him, I'm like, what needs do you have? You know, what what can we talk? You know, do for you guys? And and he said, a school bus. We need a we need a bus. We need a school bus so we can. Um, bring people, help people come and go to church and take them to market, different things like that. I'm like, okay. So right away, I started looking for school buses in America, and we were going to have Hector drive a school bus from Omaha, Nebraska to Guatemala. And it it's a 3,000-mile trek. You go through Mexico. It's not safe in Mexico. Um, but we were planning, we were hoping we could pack it full of, of goods and send it down there. And so I started looking for buses, but the problem was either the bus is too long or it's too short. The, the, two, the ones that are too long, you can't navigate the, the roads because they're on the side of mountain cliffs and, um, you know, they're not even one lane roads in some areas. They're just dirt roads and extremely scary and dangerous. So <clears throat> we had to make sure that the bus was like no more than 28 feet long. And then if it's a short bus, that's not worth it because you can't put enough people in it. So it was really difficult to find a, a bus that was, you know, 28 feet long. And I'm, it, nothing's happening. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm telling Hector and Juan to look in America also if they can find one. I'm sorry, not Juan, but Hector and Caesar. And they weren't finding anything. And and about mid-February, it just kind of dropped off my radar. I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I'm striking out. So I just left it be. So one of the first things... Pastor Juan says to me when I get to Guatemala, he's like, hey, Brother Henry, the 
the school bus. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. We've been looking, but nothing's been coming together. He's like, no, no, no. There's a bus about an hour and a half from here. Can we go look at it? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. So a little background with a bus is the owners of it, the owner lives in America. He has a cleaning business in America. And he bought it for his brother who lives in Guatemala. And he bought it for him so he could taxi people to market and um, just help people out, make money renting out the bus, basically driving people to different areas. But COVID hit. They bought it last fall. COVID hit really bad. And the bus had basically been sitting for um, six months and they hadn't been really using it. So he's telling me this. Now, the other side of the, the awesome testimony is he knew this man because Pastor Juan is building a house for him. So Pastor Juan um, not only is a pastor, an extremely busy pastor, but he gained enough construction knowledge in America where he builds houses for people. He has a crew and he builds a house for, you know, he's built in the process of building like four or five houses in Guatemala. So when you build a house in Guatemala, especially if you're living in America and you're sending the money back to have the house built, you build it in stages. So you might save up 5,000 US dollars, you send it down there. Okay, work till this runs out. So they do the foundation. Then, you know, six months go by, a year goes by, you save up more money, you send it down. Okay, now frame the house. So Pastor Juan had been building this house for over a year. And he's like, yeah, I'm building the house for the guy. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I want to see the house. He's like, yeah, let's go. So he's telling me this is really high in the mountains. Then you go down the mountain. It's pretty scary. And I'm thinking, whatever. You know, I've been in Guatemala twice now. I'm not an expert, but <laughs> I should be fine. This isn't that big of a deal. I've seen some crazy stuff here. And uh, so we start driving to the this house. And we get up to the top of this mountain and I don't know how many feet it had. It had to have been over 8,000 feet elevation-wise. And we're looking ahead at the road, and it's winding around the, the top of this mountain. And there had been flash flooding. And there's parts of the road that were just washed down the side of the mountain. And I'm like, we're going there? We're going through that? It's like, yeah, yeah, don't worry. They, they've kind of rebuilt the road. Yeah, they've dug out more of the mountain. <laughs> you know, that's their rebuilding the road. And so we're driving, and, and I'm recording and looking down the side of the mountain. I'm in the passenger seat, of course, and that's the, the side that goes all the way down the side of the mountain. And, but the peace of God was, was with us, with me, the whole time. It was just, it was, it was wonderful to, to experience the peace of God in that because it was kind of a, a scary situation looking back on it. But so we're, we're going all the way up this mountain and, and he points down to the valley and he, he points to this house way down there and, and that's the house we're going to. I'm like, wow. So you drive all the way to the top of this mountain, basically. Then you drive switchbacks all the way down. So it, it took about an hour and a half. And we finally get down to the bottom of this and we're pulling into this driveway and there's this big, beautiful house that, is under construction. I'm like, that's the house you're building. Yeah. And then the bus is right next to it. So we go and um, we start looking at this bus and it's beautiful. It's a, I think it's 2002. It's a Hyundai and it's, um, it has a hundred K on it. It's a diesel motor. So a hundred K is like 60,000 us miles. 
just a really nice bus. It's almost like a tourist bus. You've probably seen a lot of them in there. I forget um, the name of it, but just a beautiful bus. And so we start looking at it, and I'm starting to ask Pastor Juan more questions and, um, you know, filling him in, filling me in a little bit here and there. And finally, I ask, where does the guy live that owns the bus? And, and you know, he, li- he lives in America. Where, where does he live? What state? And Pastor Juan says, Iowa. <laughs> I'm like, of course he lives wow. in Iowa. Why wouldn't he? <laughs> Get this. I'm like, where at in Iowa? Pastor Juan says, Denison, Iowa. You know how far Denison, Iowa is from Woodbine? How far? Less than 30 miles. Oh, wow. <laughs> Denison, Iowa is the closest city with a Walmart to Woodbine. <laughs> I'm just like, are you kidding me? How do you hold back this information? <laughs> this is insane. So we end up um, buying this bus and getting it from a guy that lives less than 30 miles from us in the United States. It was just like, wow, God. So instead of having to drive a, a school bus from America, go through Mexico, pay the tariffs, pay all the um, bribes and everything else, God provides a bus that's literally you know, an hour and a half away that's 10 times better than a school bus we could have found here. <laughs> just an amazing, amazing gift. And we picked it up um, the Saturday right before the five-hour service. <laughs> So, Pastor Juan, he goes and he he starts picking people up, and it was so beautiful. I posted a picture on, or a video on on Facebook um, of me recording the bus driving in, and I don't know how many people were on that bus, but it was like twenty five or thirty people getting off the bus, and um, just just smiles on their face. It was so beautiful so awesome so i love i love god's ways because my you know thought was let's buy a, a bus in america let's have hector drive it all the way there and you know this and that and and god's like no I, i've got a better plan i've got a better option for you so amazing <laughs> so we get the bus and um and it was awesome you know in a in america the old term was you know your grandparents would say i used to go to school uphill both ways walk a mile in the snow uphill both ways you know to school and back and i say it's kind of the same in guatemala the people walk to church (laughs) uphill both ways it's not snowing but it's always almost always raining (laughs) and they're they're carrying their kids they're walking in sandals um it's just crazy and they go to church like three to five times a week (laughs) and they're walking miles and miles to get to church. And, and now to have this bus, it's just awesome what God is doing. Just awesome. The, the people all around, the churches all around, are just sitting in awe and amazement of Pastor Juan, you know, constantly asking, what, what, what are you doing? How did you get this? What's happening? And um, it's really beautiful. The, the first thing he did, so in Guatemala, all the buses – um, the old school buses, I think they call them a chicken bus or something like that. I forget the the nickname for them, but they take a bunch of American school buses and they turn them into big um, transport buses. But they 
they just do all sorts of weird stuff to them. They put tons of lights on them, and um, they lower the front or jack the front up. They put different grills on them. They put they just make these things look like a samurai warrior or something in the front of them. And each one, that's their kind of um, name tag, you could say, is their how they do it up. And they all have um, lettering on them, on the front windows and back windows. And, and most of them say something about God or have a, a Catholic Mary or, or something like that on them. And um, so the first thing Pastor Juan does is he gets the bus lettered. And he um, letters it, walking and praying ministry. <laughs> and I did not, you know, talk to him about that whatsoever. But... It was so awesome to see that because it just, you know, thinking about my dad and all the, the so many years that he labored and, and to see this happening now is so awesome. It's just walking and praying ministry. He put it in English and then he's going to put it in Spanish also, but um, it's just so, so amazing and, and humbling to be a part of and see, watch God do these awesome things. So that bus... It just, God is opening so many doors with it. One of the first things they did was he took the youth out to to go walk and pray. And, um, they, you know, like a little short mission trip or something like that. But without a bus, they have to hire taxis. They have to hire vans. And it costs a lot of money to hire a van to, to take you, you know, to and from places. So this saves a ton of money in transportation. He's using it as outreach. He's going um, into the, the town and he's letting, giving people free rides to, to the market. And people just, they're not used to that. You know, they always get charged to, to go to and from. And it's just a tremendous witnessing tool, absolutely tremendous. The church is, is exploding from it, just exploding. And, and like I said, all the other um, churches around there are, are hearing about what's happening, and they're starting to come to Pastor Juan. And, and what, what, it, what did you do that you, you know, you got, I don't know how they're wording it. I'm just imagining that they're asking that in some form like this. What did you do? How are you so lucky that you have these Americans helping you or giving you stuff? I don't know if they're saying it that way, but, um, and, and he's just, he's just pointing them all to prayer walking. It's prayer walking. You know, this American came, but it's prayer walking. Everything is because we got out and we walked and prayed. God is doing everything because of prayer walking. And it, half of this stuff wouldn't have None of this, you know, would have happened if I just went there and all I was to do was preach in the church. It wouldn't happen. These miracles, these things would not take place. And it was so much my dad's ministry also. Every time he went out, every time he walked and prayed, every time he, he would go, God would do amazing miracles. But if you just go into, you know, have these huge crusades and everything, and, and they're good, but if you go in and you walk and pray and you you do that battle, all oh, those huge crusades, they'll, they'll just the the souls for the kingdom of God will be just multiplied. It's beautiful to see. So he he's getting it. He's he's understanding that this is all you know to the glory of God, no question. But being in obedience and walking and praying, just getting out amongst the people and sharing the love of Christ and, and doing that spiritual warfare, that's that's what it's all about. And 
it's not about an American. It's not about you know the American church. It's it's about God and what He's doing. And, and if we're faithful, if we're if we're doing things in the natural, <laughs> God's going to do things awesome things in the spiritual. If we're faithful to do those that discipline in the natural realm, God will He'll reward us and and we'll get a be a part of that fruit bearing. So that was that was so awesome. So. Um, the bus happened, I want to say, about four days, five days after being there. So when we arrived, um, I, I battled that, that sickness and was just absolutely miserable. And um, woke up the next morning after, you know, about five, six hours of sleep or whatever it was. And it was time to hit the ground running. I mean, we were just... It was time to go. And I didn't feel led to to meet Miguel the first few days of being there. Um, I, I felt we needed to just be prepared spiritually. So we, a lot of awesome things were happening, but the um, Friday, so I arrived on Monday and the Friday we went and saw Miguel. So it was um, June 21st that I arrived. Actually, it was the 22nd because of the 10-hour drive. So Tuesday, and then we went and visited Miguel Friday, three days later. So Miguel, once again, the warlock um, from El Captain, we'll call him. So it's time to, to visit him. And I had felt that the God had called me to fast and pray for, for that purpose, for going and praying for him and, and just praying deliverance for him. He, so many demons, that man was just packed full. So we, we make the arrangements and keep in mind, this is the man that put a curse on his own daughter. So his own daughter was dying of cancer and I prayed for her in January when I was there and I remember praying for her just weeping and and I'm not 100% sure if I was praying and said God please break this curse please break this curse I didn't know it was a curse at that time but I I believe the Holy Spirit was leading me in a prayer of you know break this curse off of her set her free and so he had put the curse on his own daughter she was dying of cancer. I come to find out later on that she was pregnant, and she was in the hospital. And her husband was called to her home by, by his father-in-law, by her dad, and another man that was involved in witchcraft. So when he went to their house, Miguel and this other man involved in witchcraft said something along the lines of, if you do these um, prayers and different things of enchantments, witchcraft with us, the baby will live. If you don't do them, the baby will die and it will be on your, your shoulders. And the, the husband says to his father-in-law, no, I don't believe in that and I'm not going to do that. And he stands his ground and he leaves the house. I don't know how much longer, but the baby died. So not only is this man cursing his own daughter with cancer, but I'm guessing he's cursing his own grandchild 
or the the curses are coming back on him and affecting his 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 daughter and that unborn child. I don't know if all the specifics. So this guy is in witchcraft extremely heavy. There's no question about it. And so we make the appointment to go to his house and we arrive and I'm recording his house and just praying in the spirit. And we go into this room and I mean, these people have nothing. It's a dirt floor. They have a, they're lucky enough to have a bed off the ground, off the dirt floor, um, a metal roof over their head and block walls. I mean, this place is, it's like a shed in America. If you're lucky, I mean, our sheds are better because we have concrete floors. Our garages are 10 times better. There's no question about it. I mean, these people have nothing. And this man's just involved in witchcraft, puts curses on people. They come ask him for help. They don't know he's the one that cursed them. He prays for them, removes the curse. They pay him lots of money. That's how he makes his, his living. And then we go up to El Captain. All of a sudden, he can't get power from El Captain anymore. The demons are saying, why did you in that blankety-blank gringo go up to Cal Captain and destroy our works? <laughs> I mean, it's just insane what's happening. And so we arrive at his house that Friday afternoon, and we're all on edge because Pastor Juan hadn't seen him since the, the church service where he was slain in the spirit. And um, I hadn't heard anything since the original altercation with him. So we arrive at his house. And we are, we go in a room and his whole family's in there. And we begin to just talk and, and, and Pastor Juan and Hector are talking with him and they are, are witnessing to him and, and saying a lot of different things. And, and I'm just sitting there praying in the spirit and I'm telling them to ask him questions and they ask him questions and, and it was almost like he had amnesia from the um the night he was manifesting his demons really extreme so because I, I was asking him like how did you know we were al captain and he said i i don't know what you're saying i don't know and i thought okay this is odd so the demons you know they were just spitting everything out and but he was kind of in a trance and he didn't even you know know coming out of it what was happening so we're sitting there and they're talking to him and i'm just interjecting a few questions i'm praying and and i just felt the holy spirit saying ask him where else he is you know done sacrifice where else has he worshiped the devil because he lived at the base of a mountain and is a really you know, wooded area. And I just, I sensed that there was somewhere else that he was, you know, doing these things. And so I kept asking him, he's like, no, 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 there's nowhere else. And we kept pressing him, kept pressing him. And after about a half hour of, of talking with him, we're kind of talking and, and keep asking him, no, no, in the name of Jesus, where else? And it, it's just like he blurts out, okay, I'll take you. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And, and, and I'm not getting the full story because obviously I don't speak their dialect. I don't speak Spanish. But I don't, 
I'm not hearing everything, and they're interpreting interpreting very little. I'm like, is he going to take us to El Captain, or what do you mean? Like, no, 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 he's going to take us over to the cemetery. I'm like, okay, the cemetery. So the cemetery is not far from his house at all. It, it's a short drive up the hill. So we we get in the car, or I'm sorry, before we leave the house, we, we walk out of that room, and I'm talking to Pastor Juan and Hector, and I'm like, where is his daughter, the one that, you know, had cancer. And they say, she's in the room. She's in the room. I'm like, what? It's like, yeah, she's right in there. And she walks out and they point her out. I did not recognize her. I had seen her in January. I remember what she looked like. I did not recognize her. There had been that much change. Hair was growing. She wasn't covering her head. In January, she always wore her head covering because she had no hair. And she was extremely frail, extremely pale. She looked like an American. I kid you not. She was that pale. And I did not even recognize her in that room. God had, she's, like I said, her hair started growing back. She has color. She has strength. Completely different person. I am just, my jaw is just dropping. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, praise God. So, um, I want to get some pictures with the, the whole family, and we, we start taking some pictures. And as we're getting ready to leave his house to, to take us to the cemetery, I, I've been noticing he's been rubbing his hand, and I believe his right hand. And his, his fingers look swollen, and he's been rubbing it like he's in pain. And um, like I said, he's not moving his fingers much. They look swollen, and the Holy Spirit says, pray for his hand. So I asked him, can I pray for your hand? And... Um, Oh, this is so beautiful. So I, I, I to ask Pastor Juan and whatever, he, he asked him, he's like, yeah. So I grab his hand and I start praying for it. And um, don't think too much of it. And we go. We head up to the cemetery. We get up to the cemetery and it's like less than a, it's like a five minute drive. We get out of the car and we start walking towards the, um, to the, to the cemetery area. And I notice he's moving his hand. He's like moving his fingers and he's looking at his hand. And so I, I start asking Pastor Juan, I'm like, hey, how's his hand? And Pastor Juan starts talking to him, and I get my phone out, and I start recording. And um, Pastor Juan says, yeah, when you pray for his hand, he felt heat. It was like fire. And now he has feeling in his hand. And I'm just, my jaw is just dropping. I'm like, what? Praise God. So you have feeling in your hand now? You didn't have feeling before? And Pastor Juan's talking to him, interpreting, and, and in the video, it's just, it's just funny. Pastor Juan says, yeah, yeah, he, he felt like fire and heat, and now he has feeling. And Pastor Juan starts walking away, like nothing happened. Like he's so used to the miracles or something like that. And I'm just like, yeah, God, this is amazing. Jesus healed your hand. And I'm, and I'm looking back at Hector. I'm like, Hector, did you hear that? I'm all excited. And Pastor Juan, he's just walking down the hill. I'm like, Brother, do you experience miracles that often <laughs> that it's just, you know, second nature to you or what? So that was really awesome. And um, so he, he takes us down to his, to the cemetery. And come to find out, it's where his, his dad was buried. His, his, his dad passed away a number of years ago. And he... All of a sudden, before I know anything, Pastor Juan is starting to dig right next to this guy's grave. And I don't even know if the guy's, you know, 
if there's remains buried there. And I don't even know what's going on. And it is just, this is getting odd. So he starts digging with like a, a little piece of uh, shard of rock or a, I don't know if it was a piece of wood or something like that. And before I know it, his brother comes back with a, a hoe. So they start digging this hole. And this hole is getting big. And I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And, and finally, they tell me that Miguel was there a number of months ago. And he was with another man. And they had buried some items some pictures and different things. And they had you know, placed curses on these people. And they would buried the items right there. So they're just digging and looking for these items. And they're digging for like 15, 20 minutes. And they come across a little... A piece of cloth, and then they're trying to find the pictures that he buried, and and it's not happening. They they keep digging and looking, and and they're not finding any of the pictures, and it's just this is getting crazy. So I'm looking at Miguel, and we're we're all still trying to to figure him out. Like, is he leading us on a crazy, you know, wild goose chase, or what is happening? Because none of us, Pastor Juan. He hadn't seen him this way. Um, I obviously hadn't. We're just kind of in awe because he, he was his mannerisms had changed. He was quiet. His family was saying that you know he, he's changed. He's not yelling. He's just he's a new, different person. So they continue digging, and, and this hole gets pretty big. And they've been going for like 15, 20 minutes, and and finally I say, you know what? Let's just pray. We can break the curse. We don't have to have the items. Let's just pray in the name of Jesus. So they finally stop digging, and and we say, let's pray. So they tell Miguel that we're going to pray. Next thing I know, he's on his knees, and he's praying with us. And we're just kind of shaking our heads. This is, wow. Okay, God, you're doing something amazing, or we're being played here. We still haven't figured this out yet. And so we pray and we just come against those spirits and we're renouncing the, the hidden works of darkness, the, the things that have happened there. We're making declarations and um, we're just coming against that, the, the wickedness that, that happened. The, their cemeteries there are very odd. I mean, they're on the side of a mountain. They have little tin roofs, little small structures with a tin, a metal roof on, on top of four you know, makeshift tree branches that are, are holding it up. And it's just, it's really, everything's packed in really tight. And it's just, it's a, I can understand why they do witchcraft there. I mean, American cemeteries are, you know, havens for that also. But these things are just, just nasty. And and so many family members come and they burn candles, you know, to their to their relatives and it just you know the demons are just packed full there just a a place for them to gather so we get done praying and miguel says i want to take you to another spot and this is where it gets really crazy and i'm going to take a little break here get a drink are you still loud and clear absolutely we're live with hank groover if you just joined us um giving us updates on the recent trip to guatemala i believe back in june and yes we did our last show prior to this trip so i'm excited to hear these details 
and they Hallelujah. take you down to a graveyard and that makes sense that's what a lot of witch where a lot of witchcraft is done down at the graveyard and I remember I think it was um, Norman Parrish and Wynn Worley talking about this mm. um, in some of their travels and I'm pretty sure it was uh, Guatemala too they were actually Hank if I recall capturing men's souls and they yeah. would put them in bottles and they would bury them in the ground capturing men's souls and I know um, in the Philippines we've heard reports of uh, witches that will do curses on people and they'll grab uh, some personal item maybe hair or a garment yes. and they put it in a bottle and they put a seal on it and they might put some um, like a squid or an octopus in there some kind of uh, marine animals and they actually capture people's souls I believe they mm. also do this down in Haiti it's called uh, Boku something and they make zombies out of people folks yeah. this is hardcore witchcraft and there are some items that are even sold down here in Bali made of wood that is taken out of a, a cemetery and it's supposed to be charged with heavy occult demon power this stuff is real Absolutely. folks so um, what are you seeing take place here uh, who would bury yeah. the objects the photographs that's exactly right yeah this guy would just he would be paid money by some people to to curse people he would be um, if he you know had an altercation or something like that he'd get a photograph he'd curse them um, and a lot of these people would get sick. Some would die. I don't know, you know, if he had, if he was involved in witchcraft that long, where, you know, he was killing people through photos. But it's not, it's not a joke. It's not a fairy tale. It is the real deal. This is a very, very intense spiritual battle. But the main thing is that everybody has to understand and they have to know their authority in Christ. You have to give all the glory to God. And this stuff, it sounds very scary and intense, but it's nothing compared to the power of God. Nothing compared to the power of God. Because at the name of Jesus, these demons will shake and quiver and turn and run. Just the name of Jesus and all the things they have to do to go through to put a curse on someone. I mean, there's a lot of steps. This isn't just, you know, saying some stinking chant or whatever. They have to do a lot of things. They have to, um, they have to fast. They have to, you know, cut themselves. They have to do things f for the devil to get that type of power. But the power we possess in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. But you can't go into it lightly. You can't go into it with a, a proud spirit. You can't go into it with um, any type of pride because you will be cut down so quick, It will your head will be spinning. And so the, the, the thing my dad always said is if you lose your peace, stop, turn around, and go. Turn around, leave, and, t and find that peace. If you're not walking in the peace of God, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to be out of his hedge of protection, possibly. You're going to be—something is going to happen. And 
so I, I did not understand that until the Guatemala trips. I, di- I did not understand what my dad was talking about until Guatemala. And this was one of those times. So he led us to his cemetery, to his dad's gravesite. We just get done praying. He's on his knees praying. We're all shaking our head. Wow, what is happening here? Are we being played? I, I can't stress that enough. We all felt like, you know, are we being played? We just didn't know. Is this the real deal? Or are we being played? And so we're all very cautious. So he says, I want to take you to another spot in the cemetery. We, we start hiking up the cemetery. And like I said, it's, it's built on the side of a mountain, basically. And I'm following uh, Miguel, the former warlock, and Pastor Juan and Hector and everybody else are behind me. And so we're, we're walking and we're hiking. And it's very steep terrain. It's, it's wet. And so we get to this one spot and my foot loses um, its footing. And I slip a little bit. And what's he do? He reaches out his hand. And honestly, the first thought in my mind was, I don't know if I should take this guy's hand. <laughs> and then I'm just like, in the name of Jesus, you know, I claim the blood of Jesus over it. I'm going to put out my hand and claim the blood of Jesus. I'm going to, you know, put the blood of Jesus on him. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. So I, I reach my hand out and he helps me up that little embankment. So we get to this spot and... At this spot, there's this this enclosure. It's got a metal roof. It's got a concrete block wall, only one wall. The back wall is all concrete block, and then the, the three sides are open. So the sides and the front are open. And in the middle of this, let's say it's um, 15 feet square, okay? In the middle of this structure, right in the middle of the cemetery, there's this large charred black rock kind of kind of in the shape of a cross but not really and it's just charred with black soot and all around this thing and it's pretty tall i mean it's 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 a big rock i think it was a rock yeah it was definitely a rock because they're constantly burning it and it's not catching on fire so uh, this rock is probably easily four foot tall if not five foot tall and um pretty big base to it whatever and around this this rock are, I want to say, like eight or ten women. And what they're doing is they're burning candles. And they're, they're burning almost like trick candles. It's really odd. So you remember the, the birthday cake candles that um, were trick candles. And you light them and they kind of um, make a, like a sparkling sound or... or a, uh, a flickering sound when you're trying to blow them out and that's what these candles are they're they're like six inches long and they light five or six of these candles at a time and then there's chanting they're saying these chants and it's just extremely odd and i'm going to send you some pictures shannon while we're on the phone it's um so you can see what I'm talking about. So we, me and Miguel, we sit down next to this, this big structure. And we're watching this as these, these ladies are burning candles and they're chanting these weird prayers. And it's definitely nothing, nothing of the Holy Spirit. So it was made out of concrete, the... This it had four legs and then it the legs come out 
about five feet. They're in an X shape. And then there's a cross, and they burn all the way around this thing. So me and Miguel are sitting there, and we're watching this happen. And it's just, this is getting odd. And we watch it for like 15, 15 minutes or so. And all of a sudden, Miguel says to Pastor Juan, I want to go pray for this lady. And this lady was straight across from us. And so Pastor Juan asked me, hey, he wants to go pray for her. Is that okay? <laughs> and the words just come out of my mouth. Yeah, that, that's okay. We'll, we'll back him in prayer. And I think back on it now, and I'm like, what was I thinking? No, it's not okay. This guy, I don't know if he's a Christian yet. If he is, he's a, a baby, baby Christian. <laughs> what? No, he shouldn't be going to pray for this lady. But the words just come out of my mouth almost instantly. Yeah, we'll, we'll back him in prayer. <laughs> so he walks over to this lady, and I rec I'm recording it as it's happening. He gets down on on his knees, and he bends over, and he starts blowing out her candles that she has there. And like I said, they're almost trick candles because they don't blow out. And they, they don't blow out, and he puts his hands – he's kneeling down right in front of her, and he puts both hands on her head. And he tries to start pray for her. This lady pops up, and she goes from zero to 100 in a matter of seconds. And she is just going crazy. Her daughter comes over, and her daughter starts going crazy also. And I'm I'm not catching any of the interpretation. All I'm hearing is assault and policia. <laughs> wow. I'm like, okay, something is crazy. So I'm getting a little bit. Did you get the pictures? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm looking at so, a vivid sight. Look at these mountains. Look at these people. Yes. It's amazing. Yes. It is. It's and people can go to the Facebook page and they can see see these pictures and different things to to get an idea of what we're talking about. So this is just getting out of control quickly. This man. So it was. I'm watching him the whole time, and it is so interesting to see him how he's handling the situation. So, like I said, he kneels down in front of her. He starts trying to blow out these candles. They're not blowing out. He tries putting both hands on her head to pray for her. She shoots up immediately and starts freaking out and just like, don't touch me. How dare you assault me? How dare you? Why did you try blowing out my candles? And I'm finally starting to hear some of these things. And this battle is going on for like 15, 20 minutes. All of a sudden, there's two men running up the cemetery hill towards us. And these men do not look happy at all. First thought in my mind, I'm looking at their hands. Lord, do they have any guns? <laughs> yeah. We are claiming the blood of Jesus. We are, I am praying. But the peace of God was so strong that I didn't have any anxiety. I didn't have any, my heart, my heart was racing. But it wasn't racing with, with fear. It was racing with kind of adrenaline and, and just – it was, it was amazing. The peace of God was so amazing. There is more irritation than fear. And the irritation was coming from us not just leaving because the, the, 
Um, Hector was trying to witness to him, and nothing was happening. I mean, nothing was getting through. And finally, after those those two guys rush up on us, and they are just talking 100 miles an hour, and they're coming at us full force. And I'm like, okay, no guns, no knives, all right, praise God. And I find out that they are her sons or grandsons or something like that. So what's happened is I finally piece it together. So these ladies knew who Miguel was, all right? Miguel was supposed to be on house arrest. The night he was that Pastor Juan went over there and um, was doing that deliverance with him, there were over, they said over a hundred people that came and saw what was happening. So, in a city of, you know, 5,000 people or less, at one point, I I mean, I think they even said up to 300 people had come and gone. I don't know the exact number. But a lot of people had come to his house and we're watching the spectacle of this guy going crazy. The police were there. Um, he was going crazy. And people were coming, going there, watching. And then Pastor Juan comes, and people heard that he was the only one that was able to deal with this guy. <laughs> the police had no clue. They had no idea what to do. Other pastors had no idea what to do. But Pastor Juan came in the full power of the Holy Spirit and and confronted the demons and cast him out. So... Um, So all these people around town, including these ladies that he went up to pray for, said, what are you doing? You're supposed to be on house arrest. We're going to call the police. They're going to arrest you. You're going to be thrown in jail. How dare you assault us? Why did you try blowing out our candles? What were you trying to do? We know who you are. We know what you were about. We don't want you touching us. Because this man is involved in witchcraft, you know, heavily involved in witchcraft. So they know, I mean, you don't want somebody like that putting their hands on you. (laughs) But he was just completely changed. So when he went up over to her, he's on his his knees. He tries blowing out the candles. He puts his his two hands on her head. She shoots up. She is talking 100 miles an hour. He is – I'm recording this whole thing, and I'm watching it back. And he is sitting there for – I'm going to watch it real quick while I'm explaining it. He is sitting there for at least – 20 to 30 seconds on his knees while she is, you know, yelling at him, just frantically yelling at him, just not, not yelling back. He's not doing anything. He's not touching her. He's completely calm. It's absolutely crazy. Absolutely insane to watch. So we're watching this unfold. The two sons or, or, um, grandsons come running up the hill at least 15, 20 minutes later into this whole altercation. Um, they come running up, and and they're yelling at us, and I'm like, look, we did nothing wrong. We did nothing wrong. He did not assault them. He did not hurt them. He tried blowing out their candles. The candles did not blow out. There is nothing he did wrong, okay? Call the police. They know where he lives. We're going to his house. <laughs> and they're like, you weren't supposed to be taking pictures, and we're supposed to be recording here. I'm like, oh, Okay, so I open up my phone, I take the, the pictures, and I delete them in front of the two guys. And when I did that, I was kicking myself. I'm like, oh, no, why did I do that? If he gets arrested, you know, I have a video of showing the whole thing. <laughs> you know, he did nothing wrong. But if he gets arrested, not only does he get thrown in jail, it costs over 3000 U.S. dollars to get bailed out. If you don't get bailed out, you basically rot in jail. They will beat you. Uh, they won't feed you. 
it's not a fun place to be. So I didn't realize this until afterwards that if he gets thrown in jail, this is going to be a, a, a huge event. It, it's not going to be a good thing. So we're just praying. We fi- I finally tell him, no, we've got to go. We're going to leave. I delete the, the videos and the pictures, and we leave. I'm like, they know where he lives. We're gone. We go to his house, and um, I'm looking on my phone, and I'm trying to figure out if I can recover the pictures. And praise God, I, I could. <laughs> so I recover the pictures because they were just in the trash can. <laughs> so I recover the pictures and the videos. And we're, we're back at his house. And we're all still in awe of, of what, what the transformation. So we, we go to his house, and he, he, he invites us into his home, and he, he gives me a cup of water. And I'm still just, I'm not sure how to take this. I'm praying, you know, over this cup of water in the name of Jesus. I rebuke any curses. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm not sure. So we go into his living room, and he begins to tell me, um, Pastor Juan begins to tell me about that, that night of the altercation. And what have happened, the police were called because his wife was was calling everybody she knew because he was just going crazy out of his out of his mind. And so the police were there. They didn't know what to do with him. They literally put stakes in the ground and they tied this man down to the ground in his own house. <laughs> he he was showing us his wrist, and his wrist had marks on it from the um, from the zip ties or whatever they used to tie him down. This was just crazy. So he's telling us about that. Pastor Juan's telling me about how, um, if you remember, when Pastor Juan was asking him, where are the items? Where are the items of witchcraft? And they wouldn't tell him. We wouldn't tell him. So he's, he's commanding him in the name of Jesus, tell me. And they say they're under the bed. So they show me that bed, and, and you lift up the bed, and, and, and Pastor Juan said, it, it just looked like dirt. But he had to dig underneath the bed, and he found the items buried there underneath the bed. Um, in a hole. <laughs> so they're showing me that. And then they show me, then he shows me his coffee table and there's a covering on his coffee table, like a, a cloth. And we move the, the cloth and there's a burn mark right in the middle of the, the coffee table. And so we're, we're praying against, you know, that basically was an altar before he was burning candles and whatever else to the devil. So we're, we're praying for that. But he picks up a Bible and he's showing us where he's been reading I think he was reading Isaiah or Ezekiel or something like that. And me and Pastor Juan are just shaking our head. Wow. And he's just very calm. He's very collective. He's just telling us, you know, about what God's doing in his life. And we're just sitting there in awe. His um, wife and kids come into the house, and we'd been with him for quite some time, and it was time to go. So we asked, can we pray for you all? And so they all get down on their hand on their on their knees and we're praying for him and and before we prayed for him we, we talked to his kids and his his son um, I think his son was like ten or twelve years old and his son was telling us that his dad was very mean before his dad would um, would hit him but since Pastor Juan prayed for him he's he's a different person. <laughs> He's nice now. It's like, wow. Now, his son also um, got accepted Jesus into his heart earlier in the year and came home and told his dad that he had Jesus in his heart and his his dad was just after him from that day forward. So, it's really awesome how God starts 
started the work in this man's life through his, his young son. And his son found Jesus, and then his son was able to, to just show the love of Christ to his dad. Really beautiful to watch that reconciliation. So, this is all, all happening. We, we, we pray for their, we, we ask to pray for them, and, and they, they all, the whole family just gets on their knees, and we're praying for them. And as I'm praying for them, and we're praying in the house, I notice Pastor Juan's knee, leaning his head down, and um, because Miguel is on his hands and knees, and he's praying. And <laughs> I, I, I look at Pastor Juan at some point, and he, he, he looks up at me, and he, he gives me like a thumbs up. And from what it, he was saying, he's like, I didn't believe his prayers were, you know, I, I didn't know what his prayers were, whether to God or to the devil. <laughs> so I had to check for myself, and that's when he gave the thumbs up. He's like, yeah, he's praying to Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, wow. So... We leave that house, and, and we are just, wow, God. And he's walking us out of his house to, to our car, and we, he has a natural spring on his property. And there's not many natural springs. And he, he starts telling Pastor Juan that he wants to put a baptismal there. <laughs> and I'm like, what? This is just absolutely mind-boggling. This is crazy. And so... Um, we, we get to the car and, and I'm like, Juan, did he, I mean, did you, have you seen him like this? He's like, no, I had no clue that he had changed this much. Last time I saw him, he was still manifesting. It was just, you know, nothing compared to this. I'm like, wow. Okay. Well, God, if this, if the prayer and fasting wasn't for him, you know, <laughs> you know what it was for. And um, so we leave his house, and the next day was that five-hour service. And I ask him, I'm like, brother, are you going to be at the church service tomorrow? And he he says, yes. So I'm like, praise God. So we leave there, and and we're just rejoicing because this is, wow, God, you're you're doing awesome things. This is amazing. And so we we leave there, and um, we... We go back to, I think we go back to the church, and that was the, yeah, the following day, we went and got the bus. So, no, that after, yeah, the following day, the Saturday morning, we went and got the bus. And so, Pastor Juan gets the bus, and it's it's like 5, 5.30 Saturday, and this church service starts at 7. And he starts picking people up. And he arrives at like 7.15. And people start pouring off the bus. And about halfway through, who comes off the bus? Miguel and his family. (laughs) Miguel comes off the bus just smiling, ear to ear. And he does just an amazing thing. He, He turns around, and he reaches his hand out to help the elderly people off the bus. I'm just watching this and like, wow, Lord, what are you doing? You are doing such an awesome work in this man's life. And so I'm recording that. And then he comes up and he gives Hector a hug. And then he gives me a hug. And I'm just, wow, God, wow, this is so awesome. So we um, we have a pretty awesome 
five hour service and I don't start preaching again till I think it was like 10 o'clock at night or something like that. That's the only country that I start preaching at 10 o'clock at night. (laughs) Um, And we have an awesome service and we get done and it's about midnight and normally they eat before the service, but we couldn't do that because they were getting the bus. And so they're, we ate after the service. So we're eating at midnight and there's a big mess to clean up and who starts cleaning up the mess? Noah, you know, Miguel, he starts picking up the food and he's talking to pastor Juan and saying, Hey, I'll stay the night here and clean everything up. Just take my family back home. <laughs> and we're, we're just like, wow, no, it's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll clean this up. You just, go home with your family and, and come back to church tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon. They have church services at three o'clock on Sundays. So he, it just, the transformation, I can't stress the transformation enough. It's just beautiful what God is doing. And so he gets on the bus and, and it was pouring down rain and it was just awesome that we could send the people off at midnight. Actually it was, it was after it was close to 1 a.m. by the time we left because we had eaten that meal. So um, 25, 30 people pile on the bus, and um, he he takes them all home. And and I'm asking Pastor Juan, I'm like, what time do you think you'll be back? He's like, oh, it should only take like an hour or something. Bless his heart, he didn't get back till like three in the morning after dropping everybody off. But it was pouring down rain and it just. Just awesome what God did providing that bus for these people because I mean they'll they'll walk in the rain no problem but wow it's just beautiful to see that so that was a wonderful 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 ending to that five hour service so the next day was Sunday and like I said they don't have their services until three o'clock on Sundays and the the verse is still in my mind. You know, this type only comes out by prayer and fasting. And um, I was leaving. We had to leave for the airport Monday. So we had to, yeah, we had to leave Monday. We flew out Tuesday. So the end of the trip is coming. And and, and I knew there was going to be deliverance involved in this trip. I just didn't, you know, I thought it was for Miguel. I thought it was genuinely for Miguel, but it wasn't for him. So Sunday we get up and, and Pastor Juan, I'm like, what time did you get home? He's like, oh, I got home after three. I'm like, wow. <laughs> and he's like, brother, there's, there's a, I, I started getting phone calls last night at like midnight, one in the morning. And there, there's a man that, that started calling me asking if I'd come pray for him last night. And I told him I couldn't, I just didn't, it was too late. I was, you know, dropping everybody off. I I just, I couldn't do it. Um, Can we go pray for this man? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So he begins to give me a little bit of background. This man um, has been just suffering horrible demonic oppression. And he's been manifesting and, and just, it's just not been good. So... I'm like, okay, this is the one. All right, let's go pray deliverance. Now, I've, I haven't prayed deliverance with, 
you know, many people. You know, at Hagewich Baptist Church, I experienced it and saw it, but I wasn't, you know, right there praying with people. It was very shy back then, and, and we haven't had the opportunities presented to us here early on. So, but I was just full of the, the Spirit of God, and yeah, let's go. God called me. I know He called me here for this, to set the captives free, to be a part of that. So, we go to this guy's house, and um, Pastor Juan, he'd, he'd gone through just some crazy difficult things with his family. I mean, just really, really intense uh, battles with his family. And so he was not feeling up to praying deliverance for this person. He's like, and I, and I told him, brother, it's okay. I will go. I, me and Hector can go. Um, I know God's prepared me for this. Don't worry about it. You can stay back and, and just back us in prayer in the car or outside, whatever you need to do. And so we, we, we head that way and, and we get stuck in traffic and we're sitting in traffic. And, and from what I found is, man, the enemy will, he will use those idle moments to try and quench your faith. And so we're sitting stuck in traffic for like 15, 20 minutes. And my faith, is, it's just, you know, I'm at 100% before you know we left and on the road to this guy's house then we're sitting in traffic and it's down to 95 then it's down to 90 then it's down to 85 and like 20 minutes go by and we're not moving i'm like brother we got to get out how far is this guy away from here he's like oh not far he's uh, you know around the corner up the 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 mountainside i'm like hector you stay in here when you get through traffic meet us up at the house so we get out of the car and we start walking and i kid you not once we started walking both of our faith just like <laughs> it was just like recharged. You walk with God and it just it recharges you. So so both of our faith, we, we started the, the walk to his house and Pastor Juan was like, ah, I'll probably stay outside, you go inside. Um, I, I just don't have the faith right now. I'm like, it's not a problem, brother. It's not a problem. By the time we got to the guy's driveway and we were walking and praying around his house, Pastor Juan was like, I'm ready to go. Let's go. I'm like, you sure? He's like, yep, I'm, I'm good to go. It was like, it was just a recharging. It was really beautiful. And, you know, let the weak say I'm strong. <laughs> you know, in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. So when we are weak, his strength is perfect. And and God will just, just energize you. And that's what happened to us. So we get to this man's house. And we've been talking with him. And, and his wife and his kids are there. And his, his mother-in-law, I believe, or it might have been his mom. I'm not sure. And so what we come to find out is this is really interesting. Um, uh, at least a month before, this man had went to, his, um, to, a, to a family gathering. And at that family gathering, his, his family members were doing some odd witchcraft things. They were doing um, just different oddities. Um, I, I don't know exactly if they were doing some chanting or, or some things with some chickens, whatever. They're doing some odd things that he knew were not right. He, he's a Christian, but he's not, he's like a, I don't know, maybe, he's just not spirit-filled believer yet. So he, he knew they weren't doing things that were, were good. And he told them, you know, we shouldn't be doing this. You should not be doing this. And they cursed their own family member. He left the, the family gathering, and he had a, a migraine when he left. He had been dealing with this headache, this migraine, for over a month, Shannon. A month. Wow. He had called 
all the pastors that he had known. He'd ask them to come pray for him. They'd come by, they'd pray, and they'd leave. <laughs> he finally heard about Pastor Juan. Why did he hear about Pastor Juan? Because of Miguel. <laughs> because of what Pastor Juan experienced when he prayed for Miguel. He heard about Miguel, so he's calling, I mean, he heard about Pastor Juan, this, this young pastor. He's getting results. Things are happening. It's different with him. I got to get a hold of him. I want him to pray for me. So he started, he finally tracked down his number and he's, you know, started calling him Saturday night, um, Sunday morning at like one, two in the morning. And Pastor Juan's like, no, I can't go. I can't go yet. <laughs> so he's giving us this backstory and been dealing with a migraine for a month. And it would just send him into these fits of, you know, just manifestation. I, I can't imagine, you know, having a migraine, you're going to lose your mind. So, so he would just go crazy at times and his family didn't know what to do. And so he's telling about us about this. He's sitting there and I'm like, okay, it's time. Let's pray. So we begin to pray and we begin to just rebuke those spirits. And he is sitting on this little chair, makeshift chair, and we start praying for him. I'm laying hands on him. And I'm rebuking those spirits. I'm calling him, telling him the name of Jesus, you have to go. And within less than five minutes, he is on the floor. He is curling up. Every muscle in his body is bulging out of his chest, his arms, his head, everything. He is starting to manifest full-fledged. It is the craziest transformation. He goes from just sitting there to on the floor, coughing, screaming, <laughs> everything. I haven't been around this much, so what do I do? I get my phone out and I start recording it. <laughs> and I'm rebuking these spirits and I am, it is, it is absolutely intense. So he, we're praying for him, we're rebuking him. And at first I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be recording this. I shouldn't be doing this. But I, I, I just kept recording it. And I'm so glad I did because I was yes. able to, record the transformation and the transformation was so beautiful so we're praying for him we're praying for him and um all of a sudden he he starts coughing and i i know that's a good sign i mean he's hacking up and he he's on the ground and his face is his cheek is on the concrete and he's just coughing and and i see that it starts to come out and we're rebuking those spirits we're commanding him to go and um he he kind of sits up and I, I recorded for six minutes <laughs> the one video. And so he he sits up and he begins to put his hands in the air and start rejoicing. And Pastor Juan goes up to him and, and starts asking him, is, you know, is there still a headache? Is there still a headache? And he says, yeah, I still have a headache. So we start praying for him again. And he, I'm going to send you some pictures because it just absolutely Brother, in recording <laughs> this, you are, this is a testimony. 
of the delivering power of the Lord Jesus Christ and the attack, from the attacks of the enemy. People might not yes. believe it if they didn't see it. This is a testimony. This is Amen. powerful because this brother was under witchcraft attack. He was under more. attack. He was under an attack. Getting some more deliverance. So, you know, Lord's cleaning us yes. all out. We're a work in progress. And Amen. Amen. Bit by bit, we take the land back. And you don't have to be totally set free to be used by the Lord. God will take you as you are. You need to be a, a believer in Christ, of course, because then you have the authority. But, you know, yes. when the Lord called me into deliverance, uh, in 2010, about 11 years ago, I didn't know the mm -hmm. first thing about deliverance. I knew it was one-third of Jesus Christ's ministry. I knew it was what I was missing and what the church of God out of Cleveland, Tennessee is still missing today. I never saw people mm. casting out devils. It was just something that they did on those people over in Haiti or maybe they yep. came out of Africa and voodoo or you might hear about on a, a, a mission trip. But I'm here to tell you, when I heard Win Worley preach, the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. got a hold of me, and I realized this was what I was looking for. This is what was missing. I knew there was something more. And it was the full gospel of Jesus Christ, the first sign that follows them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. We weren't trained yes. in how to fight back or do anything growing up in the church, Brother Hank, and I've been in the church since age four. I'm 51 today. Both my grandfathers, Holy Ghost, Pentecostal, uh, preachers loved Jesus. They believed in prayer, but nobody did deliverance. And when yes. I heard that about the delivering power of Jesus, and I remember what the dream was that the Lord gave me. You and your brother Damon have a generational curse you need to break. The Lord spoke to me in 2005. That was five years prior. We heard about yeah. Derek Prince. He's got a book called The Blessing of the Curse. You choose. We learned that generational curses are real. And I learned and was able to document later that my great-grandfather, who also pastored, but had a problem with lust and adultery, would destroy his marriage and unleash a five-generational curse. He would then get into Freemasonry and load the whole family up with generational spirits that were trying to kill us all, and they were killing one person after mm. the next through premature death. Don't tell me that generational curses are not real. Bible's That's full right. of it. The blessing and the curse you choose. But now I knew right. what to do about it. Now I knew that we could fight back. And when I got involved in deliverance, I didn't know the first thing. I was minding my own business one day, Brother Hank. A call came in, and a brother is doing a deliverance on a lady from the Philippines. The demon is full-on manifested. And to make a long story short, he said, can you help me? Now, I could say, well, I've never cast a demon out before. I don't know the first thing. Or I could roll up my sleeves. I knew the <laughs> basic, come out in Jesus' name. That's all you need to get started. Yes. And you know what? I needed more deliverance myself. But God will yeah. take you where you are, and then he'll get you cleaned up bit by bit. And together, we were able to cast this devil out in the mighty name of Jesus. So this brother, Amen. he's getting more freedom as he's trying to help others. And you know what? Amen. The Lord took me where I was, and he's brought me a long way, and I'm sure he's going to take me a lot further. I'm still a work in progress. But we get yes, started. Yes, we all are. God takes you as you are. He'll get you cleaned up. Don't worry about that. He'll get you delivered. 
Amen. But don't ever wait till you think you've arrived. No one is walking in the full measure of the Holy Spirit that Jesus was. He's the Son of That's God. Right. He is God. Well, I want to do it like Jesus. Well, praise the Lord. Don't we all? But my experience was it's a battle. We actually wrestle. Even the Apostle Paul, who was a seasoned deliverance minister, it says the demon came out the same hour. It didn't say it came yeah, out with one word. Exactly. <laughs> if you think that you're going to just say, come out and then move on to the next person, well, you've got greater faith and measure of the Holy Spirit than I do because I haven't seen it like that way except for Jesus. But I have seen if we get in there and we fight and we stick our ground and we don't Amen. quit, we will have the victory. And if we want to get to the next level with the Lord, then start praying for others. Start casting demons out of others. Because I believe there's a plateau you hit, and if you want to get to the next level, we got to minister to others. And then as we bless others and stand in the gap for them and fight with them in their battles, the Lord will take us to the next level ourselves. Back to you, my brother. Amen. That brother experienced a, a powerful deliverance. What happened to, to yes. his headache? So it was so beautiful. I sent you a video. Um, you can watch. I mean, the transformation is so awesome. So he he's he's um, he's on his knees. His hands are raised. Pastor Juan's asking him, "Do you still have a headache?" And he says, "A little headache." So we get him to pray for him more. And it was it was so awesome to to witness. So we're praying for him. We're praying for him. We're casting him out. We're casting him out. And all of a sudden, um, he he goes down on the concrete, and all. And just in a moment's notice, he just goes completely limp, and his eyes kind of – it looked like he just dropped dead, honestly. He, he just completely limp <laughs> and complete – I mean, he's he's out. He's out in the spirit. And right when that happened, I didn't know what was happening. I'm like, oh, Lord. <laughs> and Pastor Juan begins to say, oh, it's free. It's happened. It's happened. He's set free. And this man is not moving. He's not, you know, it's like, is he breathing, Lord? And he's just completely out. And Pastor Juan recognized, he's like, it's gone. He is set free. And he was out for, I don't know, maybe a couple minutes. And he comes up and he is just, the video I sent you is after he came up. He is so joyful he is so happy he's jumping up and down he's smiling from ear to ear it just at that moment those stupid demons had to leave and they wow. left and it was so powerful so beautiful to experience and watch and and, wow. and so we're we're fellowshipping with him afterwards and his his mom and his wife are thanking us and they're trying to give us you know the equivalently equivalent of maybe a dollar or something like that in, in U.S. dollars. And and they're like, we don't have much, but please take this. No, no, no. This is free. Jesus came to set the captives free. It's the free gift of God. You know, we're yes. just telling them, no. We will not take your money. This is not, you know, no. This is a free gift. And and wow. so they, they bring us out uh, pineapple, and, and we're eating pineapple together. But it was Brother, it was so amazing to to experience that and, and just watch that transformation because the, the pictures, I mean, they, they paint a thousand words. Brother, you know? he's it's on just, the floor. You can see that curled up in a ball on on the ground and just, just so tense to complete victory, jumping up and down, hugging us. And, amazing. Um, it's it's not a pretty sight though. Deliverance ministry is not a pretty sight. Um, you know, he he's spitting up nasty stuff. 
um, you know, sometimes they'll go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's not, you know, a pretty sight, but what is what is pretty is, is what God does and sets them free. It's just beautiful to to experience that. So, brother, what that an amazing, was so awesome picture. This guy's in the throes, fighting yes. for his life, yes. and he comes through it, and he's raising his hands and giving God the praise. Yes. <laughs> you know, when you do yes. deliverance, you're literally going to battle with the enemy. The enemy has captured people, and you're yes. having to fight these demons, and they're hanging on for dear life, That's, and then they have to be that, kicked out in the name of Jesus. They don't want to go willingly. Yes. They're going to put up a battle, and to look at the the expressions in his face, the torment. Yeah. That's what these demons do. But to look when he's been delivered, and that demon has been cast yes. out. What a night oh, and day difference. This is what it, it's all about. It's just beautiful. And, wow. And like I said earlier, at first, I'm like, ah, oh, I shouldn't be recording this. I, I, this is, you know, probably not the right thing to do. It's not, you know. But I'm so glad I did because I was able to screenshot those those images and it's just yeah this is what the holy spirit comes he's come to set the captives free the enemy comes to kill steal and destroy he wants you in bondage but but god wants you free and this man it was not any of his own doing he went up and he stood up for righteousness sake wow and he was attacked by the enemy and so that that sunday i was able to preach and um and the message was look you are in a country where there's so much witchcraft don't be deceived that you can't have demons. And and the Holy Spirit just gave me this picture of, you know, the roads are horribly dirty and dusty and 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 muddy and I'm like if you're driving down this road and it's a rainy day and it's all muddy outside and do you want any mud in your car? No. But if you drive down the road and you open your door and you're going through muddles, mud puddles, you're going to get mud. You're going to get junk in. It's no different with your walk with Christ. If you open the door to something, demons are going to have access. Just because you're a Christian, just because you're driving that nice car down the road and you open the door and you think, no, mud can't get in here because this is too nice of a car. It's going to get in there. (laughs) It's the same thing with our walk. If you, pride gets a hold of you, you think you're too, you know, a Christian can't be demonized or this or that, you're going to get it. <laughs> you have to keep the doors closed and you have to, you know, um, just be in touch with that. You can't be in denial and, and, and um, just ignorance of it. The enemy, he, he, he's smart. He, he, he walks around seeking whom he may devour. <laughs> this is a real battle. So that was a, an amazing um, just you know, I, I love the the picture the Holy Spirit gave me. So after we left that man's house, we went to um, the church service, the Sunday service, and um, I was praying for um, the church members. And sure enough, this lady that um, had she 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 sings songs at the five hour service, and and the songs go on and on and on, and and they turn into a ch- chant and it happened twice now (laughs) happened the first time i was there and and now it happened again so i'm i'm praying for this lady and what happens um this was sunday after we prayed deliverance for that man 
a couple hours later. I'm praying for her, and she starts shaking, and what happens? She goes down. And Hector is, is nearby, and I'm praying, and I'm casting demons out, because I know what she's experienced is not of the Holy Spirit. So um, I'm coming against those spirits. I'm casting them out, and later on I talk to Hector. I'm like, so do you think that her her shaking, the way she manifests the spirit, do you think that's of the Spirit of God? And he's like, yeah, she's a Christian. You know, she, she sings worship songs. Yeah, why wouldn't it be? I'm like, so do you, when she's in that, um, that state of mind, do you see any love, joy, or peace? I don't know. Maybe some joy or maybe some love. I don't know. Do you see any peace? No. Yeah, that's not of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know, the Holy Spirit is love, joy, and peace. And this lady, she gets to this state of frantically shaking and kind of bouncing up and down. And I'm like, it, it's not of the Holy Spirit. She needs deliverance. So that, within a couple hours later of the, the first man, I'm praying for her. And, and we're watching her on the ground and the demons are coming out. And then, so we get done there. And we're going to have dinner with this this other man, and this man um, he's a he's a, a renowned guitarist in Guatemala. He's won national contests. And he's been in America, and um, he's really really talented playing the guitar. And he started out doing it for the glory of God, but then he got prideful and he fell and started doing it for himself and for you know money and different things. And he fell into alcoholism. So he's been back and forth, you know, with God and alcoholism, trying to use his talents for God over the last, you know, eight to ten years, but he's fallen. And the church in Guatemala just, like, I mean, it's no different in America, too. We, we don't help each other up. We, we tend to kick each other when we're down, you know. And so the Guatemalan church, they're like, no, I don't want this guy playing, you know, worship in our churches because... You know, he's gone on, you know, he's drank and gone on binges or something like that. And and not that you're supposed to, not that I'm asking you to have this guy in your church after a binge or something, but they just really condemn him hard. And um, I had met him in a restaurant. He came into the restaurant we were at earlier in the week, and he started playing um, worship music. And it was beautiful. I'm recording it, and it is I mean, it's bringing tears to my eyes. And so that was, I think, on Tuesday. And I'm like, hey, we're having a, a Saturday, you know, five-hour service. Will you come? Will you play? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll come. Awesome. So he shows up to the service, and he's playing. And um, But I find out later that they, they're, they're just like – they judge him so much that they didn't want him playing in front of the church. It was a really bad deal. But – um, so he invites us over to dinner at his house Sunday evening. So we played deliverance for the first guy early afternoon. Then after the church service, we're praying deliverance for the, the lady. And then we go to his house and he asks me, he's like, will you pray for me? I, I, I battle alcoholism and his family was around his wife, his beautiful children, four children. And so I'm, I'm like, Lord, I, please don't, I don't. You know, he doesn't need to manifest full-fledged in front of his kids. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I want to pray deliverance for this guy. But, you know, Lord, Holy Spirit, work it out because I don't want him screaming and 
you know, foaming at the mouth in front of his kids. <laughs> and um, so I'm praying for him, and and he's doing the the yawning. It was really interesting. I, I the first place I saw that was Hagwich Baptist Church. When people are are manifesting, some people manifest by yawning. And so I'm praying and I'm rebuking those spirits, and and he's yawning. <laughs> so I'm like, thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus, and just keep rebuking him. So in that the one day, the one Sunday, we prayed deliverance for for three different people. And um, I, like I said earlier on, when God woke me up June 1st, this type only comes up by prayer and fasting. I think it's Matthew uh, 18-ish or something like that. Um, I thought it was for Miguel, but it wasn't. It wasn't for Miguel. It was it was for these three different people. And um, it was just, it was so beautiful to, to see that because the captives need set free and they, they're in such bondage in that country in Central America. The witchcraft is so strong. The bondage is, is truly great there. Um, another quick testimony, the, the young boy that was drug out of his house by the demon, Andreas, if you remember that, he woke up in the middle of the night, he had to go to the bathroom, and this was when he was like eight years old, so it was like right. three or four years ago. He, he woke up, told his mom he had to go to the bathroom, he goes outside of his house, and all of a sudden, she hears him screaming frantically, and he is being drugged around the house. His head is hitting the concrete wall, and she doesn't know what to do. She's crying out, screaming, and 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 praying. Finally, she's a new believer, and and finally, that stupid demon drops him, and and he he's scared out of his mind. He tells people he's seen the devil, red eyes, the fangs, everything. Is this the boy this, who had also seen the uh, sacrificed head in the cave? No, that's a different. Okay. Boy. <laughs> okay. There's so much there. It's just crazy. So this boy was drug out of his house by the demon, and he had the cough, and he was very shy. He he just would not look people in the eyes, and he had this constant cough. <sighs> just wow. the craziest thing. And so back in January when I was there, I'm praying for him. When I heard about that, I just rebuking those foul demons how dare you how dare you touch a child of god and um so that was my buddy after we prayed with him um he he come up to the house in january all the time and i'd put my arm around him you know take selfies and i'd just be rebuking those spirits and praying for him and this uh this trip uh, i'll send you a picture of him but he he is smiling i don't I don't remember hearing him cough once while I was there. I was just so, so excited, so much rejoicing over that because how dare, how dare those demons do that to that poor child? I mean, just how dare you? And um, so that was a beautiful, beautiful testimony. See, I just sent you a picture of a selfie with him. He's smiling big. Um, So I'm going to end with, with this final testimony here. So the last day of the trip, um, I wanted to see Miguel cause I, I didn't see him at the Sunday service. So Monday we had to leave Monday afternoon to go to Guatemala city. It was a quite a drive back and we had to, um, stay a, a night in Guatemala city before we flew out early in the morning, Tuesday. So I wanted to see Miguel. We hadn't seen him Sunday and, so I asked Pastor Juan, let's, let's go to his house. So we go to his house, and um, we, we sit down outside of his house. His wife brings us coffee and bread. 
she gives it to all of us, and she gives her husband coffee and bread. And we pray for it, and then he hands the coffee and the bread back to his wife, and we just carry on a conversation. I come to find out, not too much later, he's fasting. (laughs) He'd been fasting and praying quite often since that night that Pastor Juan had been in his house. This type only comes out by prayer and fasting. I'm just, wow, God, okay, you're doing this work. You are doing this work. This is beautiful. So we're fellowshipping with him. We're getting ready to leave his house, and he's telling us about the baptismal he wants to do. And I'm just in awe of of this, how he's talking. His kids are, you know, hugging him. He's, he's, He's hugging his kids. It's just such a transformation. We're getting ready to leave his house, and this man comes stumbling. So his house, there's a, a walkway, a little path and to get to his house. And then um, there's two other houses just past his house, and there's only uh, one walkway to those two other houses. So you got to go by his house to get to the two other houses. So we're on that pathway, and we're getting ready to leave. And this man comes stumbling up, and it's 10 in the morning. This man comes stumbling up to us, and you can tell he's drunk, 10 in the morning drunk. And this man, you know, oh, you American, and he talks some broken English. And, and so we start witnessing to him. And Miguel starts witnessing to him. And the man's, his eyes, they begin to tear up. <laughs> and he invites us into his home. So, yeah, let's go. We go to his house two doors down, and he invites us into his home. And he, he's, he's telling me, I, I, I drink too much. I, I don't want to do this. Will you pray for me? <laughs> I'm like, oh, Lord, this is amazing. So I'm praying for this man and just, you know, break, um, just praying deliverance over him and asking God to set him free. And, and he begins to cry, and and he's just thanking us, thanking us. And and he's like, I, I need to I need to get sober. I need to sleep and get sober. And, and with tears in his eyes, thanking us, asking us to come back, you know, when, when you come back, please visit me. <laughs> like, wow, God. Wow. Only you, only you, only you can do this. So it was, the trip was such a short trip, you know, time frame. Everything was so packed into, like, honestly, I think we were in country eight days, but of those eight days, at least four were for traveling. Three, three and a half were for travel. So we're really only five, four and a half, five days of ministry. And what God did in those those, those short days was just awesome. I can't, I, I'm just in awe of what he's doing and and so honored to be a part of it. So honored to be a part of Brother it. Hank, so Guatemala is a true mission field. And I'm thankful to be able to see some of the photos. Folks, you can go to Brother Hank's Facebook page and view these photos. Amazing harvest field. Brother, um, when do you plan to go back and how can people support these mission projects that you're involved in? Yeah, um, we're, we're hoping and praying that um, in the fall, my wife Heather and I can go. Um, my wife's recovering from COVID. She got it um, about 10 days ago. <laughs> and so the the good thing is, oh, did I mute you? Or? Oh, no, you're still here. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, I 
was messing with the headset. So the good thing is she won't have to be tested in or out if they keep it as is um, oh, within three months of COVID. But with the FDA approving the stupid vaccine, I'm afraid that they're going to require um, vaccinations to travel. So Lord willing, we'll, we'll be able to go in the fall. Um, the Henry Groover dot com website you can give through there um we're we don't have a link on the facebook page but um you can message me on through facebook and if you wanted to send a check i can get you the address but yeah god god's so faithful and he's providing we are um we're we're just seeing awesome things such awesome things financially and, and spiritually and God's God's doing such great work. The the business and an amazing testimony just today. Um, a, a man, a fellow believer that I met like three four months ago, started working with me just today at the the business, and um, it's possible that he could could run the business and and free up that would free up my time where I can focus cool. on ministry so much more. And that's fantastic. I've been praying for a year and a half, over a year and a half that either God would send a buyer or send somebody to, to manage the business. That's a, 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 a Christian, a strong believer. And, and that's what this person is. So I'm just, I'm in awe. So Lord willing that this is an answer to prayer. And uh, this man can, can run the business and and we'll get freed up where we can we can go out and do ministry and, Brother and Hank, just continue. Keep documenting these trips. These are Amen. powerful pictorials and real life testimony. It gets me yes. excited watching them. I've experienced a little bit in Bali. I'm looking forward to do more. Folks, there's nothing more exciting than doing what Brother Hank has been describing tonight. It's actually going out there and obeying Mark 16, having signs that will follow them that believe, praying for the sick that they be healed, casting out devils, liberating the captives in Jesus' name from the bonds of witchcraft. Literally, they're getting over there in a power struggle. Light against darkness collides and they're plucking souls out of the fire in the name of Jesus from these devils. They want to put people in body bags. And you can be a part of this. Not only will God use you, but you can also send Brother Hank and others go to Guatemala. Brother Hank, uh, once again, henrygroover.com, is that where they go? Uh, yes, that okay. is correct. Do you have PayPal over there people want to uh, support? Yeah, on the ministry website. I'm pretty sure it's up and running now. Excellent. So some issues and it's good to go yeah and the awesome thing about the bus is i really feel it's oh, yeah. it's going to be a a thing of for mission teams so um i've, I've sensed that there, there's a lot of interest of people that want to go and um that bus provides transportation now as before it's just not possible to transport five or ten people from oh, yeah. guatemala city to the the village so um yeah um that's hopefully, a god lord willing brother. in the near future we'll be able to bring mission teams over and and uh let people experience experience this for brother, themselves that's <laughs> exciting i've been on those buses when i lived in mexico for a year and um 
Um, they are awesome. Um, and that's the only way to get around if you've got a big group of people. God sent that for you. I'm excited to hear. He's behind you on this. My friend, do you want to close us in prayer tonight? Thank you for coming on and give us a, yes. some updates from the field. Yes, hallelujah. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this time together. And we just commit these words to you. We just ask that you'll seal them in our hearts. And, Lord, that you'll bring to remembrance the, the things that are needed for our walk with you. We just ask that you'll just equip those that are listening that are willing to go, Lord. Um, just just equip them with your power of your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus. We thank you. We just ask that you'll bless Brother Shannon and his family. Watch over them. Keep them safe. And, Lord, just uh, open the doors that, that you only can open and shut the ones that need to be shut. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. And we give you all the glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. Brother, before we go, let's pray for your wife. What is her first name? Heather. Okay. Father, Jehovah God, in Jesus' name, we lift up Sister Heather to you. We plead the blood of Jesus over her. We rebuke this COVID attack, and we command it to mm-hmm. loose her body and come out right now. In the name of Jesus, yes. we curse every vir- virus or unfriendly bacteria to the root, command it to die, and let her go now. In Jesus' name, mm-hmm. we speak to her body. Heather, be healed and made whole. We cover Brother Hello. Hank in the blood of Jesus. We break any demonic backlash off of you. Yes. In the name of Jesus, we break every demonic power that has come against you and command it to loose and go in Jesus' mm-hmm. name. We bind up and rebuke every spirit of backlash, retaliation, revenge, retribution, hindrance, or delay that would come against you in the ministry. In the mighty name of Jesus, we ask God you yes. loose ministering spirits to her right now and let her quickly recover. Mm-hmm. Open up mighty doors in Guatemala. Bless them and all that take part in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, Lord. Thank Hallelujah. you, Brother Hank. We love you. Bless we'll you soon. See you, brother. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. I know. Folks, we're going right into our next program. We've got Valerie and Barbara coming up next.